Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today on Fostering Solutions is President Eric Cage. President Cage, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Dr. Foster. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Wonderful. Thanks for making time in your your busy schedule. So uh, tell the audience about yourself. Who is Eric Cage? Well, um, Dr. Foster, the the way I really like to describe myself is this way. I grew up in a small town in Southern Virginia called South Boston. And it's about a little bit over 7,000 people in that town. So I always describe myself as just a really a small town guy uh, who grew up um, with the incredible support of family, the belief in faith, and through the transformative power of education, I was really able to leave that small town and, and go out and achieve things which certainly were beyond the dreams uh, of my, my parents uh, and those uh, who came before me. So really who I am, my core, I'm a person who believes deeply in the power of people, I believe in empowering people to be their best selves. And of course, one of the best ways for all of us to really transform our lives, to really meet new heights is through the power of education. Because I always say uh, education truly is something that no one uh, can take away from you. Education is the great equalizer, as we've heard so many, so many times uh, before. It's a great equalizer that can help to level the playing field in a world that is often unkind and, and unjust. So I'm a person, again, who is deeply passionate about people that deeply passionate about education and deeply optimistic about the future. All righty. Awesome. And you are, you know, as president of West Virginia State University, that's, you know, probably a great asset that you have. Absolutely. I believe in education and people. So you are the president of, of, of our local HBCU, the West Virginia State University. Give the audience a feel for the key characteristics of your university, because I've got listeners all over the place. So just give them a feel for your university. Well, of course, as you know, Dr. Foster, um, you know, West Virginia State University is just an integral part of you know, our community here. Uh, in uh, in the Charleston area, we're actually located in Institute, West Virginia, which is just a short drive outside of the capital city in Charleston. Um, we are a 1890 land grant university. We're also an HBCU, certainly, and as a historically black college and university, we have a deep commitment to access uh, and diversity uh, for all of our students, and uh, that is something that we certainly pride ourselves. On because again, it's one of the things that defines us as one of our, our bedrock principles. But uh, our beautiful campus, of course, again, is located in the Institute. Uh, we very much are a modern day institution of higher education. We provide a comprehensive uh, inventory of uh, degree programs, which are designed to prepare our students for uh, the demands of the 21st century economy, programs like nursing, programs like engineering, programs like business. Uh, Just last year, we uh, brought online a new program in cybersecurity because we know that those that's where the jobs are uh, in in the tech sector. 
uh, and we are working toward uh, transitioning a university to uh, a doctoral branding university. That's one of my goals is to make sure that uh, we are in a position to provide doctorate degrees so that we can have a robust offering of, of graduate degree programs. But at its core, West Virginia State University is a community of individuals, faculty, staff, students, alumni, and supporters that are committed to one goal. And again, that goal is to helping our students achieve their academic aspirations, whatever those aspirations may be. I always say that one of the things you, that will define West Virginia State University is that we are a family. From the very first time that our students step foot on campus mm -hmm. to the time they walk across the stage at, at commencement, we are there for them. We know their names, we know their aspirations, and we are there to help them achieve those aspirations. Awesome, awesome. And I, I don't know if you know this, but a few years ago, um, under a previous president, I had recruited um, a young lady. I was born in Guyana. Mm -hmm. And I went back with um, uh, the Dr. Stewart, Dr. Terrence Stewart, and we were able to recruit and on a recruiting trip. We, I took him there. And we had a young lady, um, Justine Lee, who um, at the time, and she came from Guyana to West Virginia State. She, she had done her her bachelor's degree at University of Guyana and got her 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 master's at state and then went yeah. on to just finish her PhD uh, just this past May. So I'm really hoping that, you know, as you get situated and yeah. Yeah. down the road that we can explore some of those opportunities again. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're always yeah. looking for, for good good talent at the university. Absolutely. So when you arrived in West Virginia, you did not come as president. So um, describe your career trajectory. Sure. Um, you know, I, I again, as I said in my opening, um, and Dr. Foster, I, I have really been blessed. Um, I have uh, had an my career trajectory has been uh, an extraordinary one. Um, you know, again, I did my undergraduate work at um, at Virginia Tech. Now in Blacksburg, Virginia, so I'm a proud, proud Hokie. And, um, you know, really at, um, after I graduated, um, I returned home and I, I taught uh, high school government uh, um, at uh, the same high school I graduated from. And that was an extraordinary uh, experience, but it was also my first real exposure to education. And again, to this transformative power of education was being able to stand in front of that classroom and 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 see the light bulb go off uh, in, in the students' eyes when you were going over uh, an, an area uh, of, of focus. It really did, really, really, that's really what education is all about. It's helping students um, take that next step and to understand, understand the possibilities. Um, but again, you know, I did teach in, in the classroom uh, for two years. I went on to law school because that's something that I always wanted to do. Um, and after law school, I ended up uh, in Washington, D.C., actually, you know, where I worked on Capitol Hill. And I, uh, during that time, I had the opportunity, again, to stay close to education because I worked on education policy, also served as a lobbyist for an education um, nonprofit in D.C. called Teach for America. So, again, all of my career uh, has, has touched on education. And after I did leave uh, Washington, D.C., after almost a decade, um, I wanted to continue to have that connection to education. So I got into higher education 
uh, administration. And my last stop before I arrived at West Virginia State University was at Norfolk State University. And at Norfolk State University, I worked uh, for our university presidents and for our, our governing board, um, managing policy, uh, managing governance, uh, managing uh, a number of different things, uh, strategic plan, other things that had a broad impact on the entire institution. Um, but, you know, after serving at Norfolk State for four years, I did decide that it was time to move on to the next uh, leadership challenge. And I came to West Virginia State University initially as uh, vice president and chief of staff, uh, which was the role that I was recruited to the university for. Um, but due to some leadership transitions uh, at the institution, unexpected transitions, um, our board of governors did uh, reach out to me and asked if I would be willing to take on the job of initially as chief operating officer and then as interim president. And of course, I said yes, because I believe that the experience that I had gained throughout my career, both uh, in, the in, in that classroom uh, as a K-12 teacher uh, in Congress, uh, as a congressional staffer, uh, as a lobbyist, and then as a, as a higher education administrator, uh, had prepared me uh, to lead the university during uh, its time of transition. And I guess I must have done something right, uh, Dr. Foster, because after serving as the interim president for about um, eight or nine months, um, I did get the nod uh, by the presidential search committee and, and got tapped to be the permanent president. So it, it has been an extraordinary journey. Um, but if I had to go back and do it all over again, there's not anything that I would change because it's it's an incredible uh, institution, great people, uh, and and a really really bright future. Right, and it's like every it, even though you've had a, it seems like an unusual career to oh. you know, from um, high school teacher and all the way to uh, from lo the lobbyist and you know public mm -hmm. service and all that, and now university president. I think certainly all those experiences would be all positives in terms sure. of you being able to think a certain way and really move the university forward. So that was, it's very, very it was very wise of the board of governors. <laughs> but again, I, I yeah. certainly, I'm certainly, I can't disagree with you on that, on that point. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think again, what I, what I always go back to again is, is what I said previously, just think about that, you know, a, a small town guy uh, from a, from a really, really rural community in Southern Virginia, um, you know, was able to leave that small town and now be, um, the president um, of uh, a HBCU, a land grant, HBCU university that's an 1890 land grant institution, really a university that's uh, making a significant impact in West Virginia. Just, just think about that. And all that was possible right. through hard work, through faith, through family, and through education. Absolutely, absolutely. So the the board of governors must have seen some skills and attitudes and and behaviors in you to really you know, uh, make you then vote you in as, as the president of, of the uh, West Virginia State University. So what were some of those skills, attitudes, and behaviors do you that you think really help you to achieve the success that you have? Yeah. Well, Dr. Foster, I, I really, I think it's, I can boil it down to really just a couple things. Uh, one, it comes down to the fact that um, I deeply value people. Um, and I believe that, um, again, people uh, power organizations, really people power um, society, power our lives. 
And I am committed in my personal life and in my professional life to treat people the way I want to be treated. Really the golden rule, right? The rule that our, our parents taught us when we were growing up. And I've really embraced that throughout my career. And I think if you were to go back and to ask anybody that I have ever worked with in my entire career, what stands out to you about Eric Cage, and that is Eric Cage is someone who generally values people. And again, I try to treat each person with dignity, with respect. We're not always going to agree on every issue, but even when we disagree, uh, we can do so in a way that is civil and uh, that, that um, is compassionate. So I think, um, I, I would hope um, that uh, the board and the search committee uh, through the time that I spent at the university as interim president, uh, they were able to really see that um, that I am a people person and I value value individual individual and group contributions. Um, also, I think um, I came to the institution um, with a vision, a vision for the future of the university, even though um, I entered the institution at a time of incredible and really historic transition. Um, I was pretty clear-eyed and level-headed about what we needed to do. And what we needed to do was we needed to stabilize the institution, uh, put the institution on a path uh, for, for momentum. And that's what I, I did very early on after I arrived at the institution. I laid out a plan. I said, this is what we're going to focus on, these four areas, operations, people, big ideas, and engagement. We focused on those things. We leaned into them. We were able to put some significant points on the board in terms of just one example. Um, during the last legislative session, we were able to go up to the state legislature and get significant funding for our land grant programs, get significant funding for our healthy grandfathers programs. Again, you look back at my career uh, as a federal lobbyist, someone who worked on Capitol Hill, that was, that was a skill set mm -hmm. that I was able to hit the ground running really um, as the interim president and go up to the state capitol and and, and successfully um, secure appropriations. So I think it was really the combination of all of, of again, my, my deep commitment to people, but uh, more broadly, really the combination of all the things that I've done in my career uh, that made uh, our board uh, and our search committee comfortable um, or confident in the fact that uh, even though I was new to the university, even though this is my first presidency, that I would be able to, uh, to navigate the waters and be successful in this role. Right. And it seems like you're very process oriented, thinking strategically, planning strategically. Um, yeah, yeah I, I can I can sense that as well. Well, what I would say is this. I mean, um, one of the things that I found throughout my career is that, uh, you know, it's important for the leader to have a vision. Um, but the leader also needs to assemble a strong team, because the fact of the matter is, yes, the leader gets a lot of attention. Um, but at the end of the day, no leader can can be successful. No leader can accomplish uh, any goals without the support of a strong team. And I have been really, really blessed uh, by an incredible uh, board of governors, an incredible leadership, uh, senior leader, senior leadership cabinet at the institution, really incredible faculty and staff. Uh, even though the university was going through a, a tumultuous time, everybody just rolled their sleeves up and said, "Look, we want West Virginia State University to be successful." We're going to rally behind this guy so that we can make sure that our university continues to move forward. That's awesome. There's a 
scripture that talks about, you know, you write the vision, but you, and and you've got to run with the vision and having people to run with you, you're certainly gonna, gonna need that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your, if you were to think about your vision for West Virginia State, where do you see the university in let's say 10 years? What is your vision for this for, for state? Well, my vision for West Virginia State University is for us to continue to uh, to to really lean into uh, our history of educational excellence uh, over the next decade. We actually just launched um, a strategic plan planning process. We're, we're writing our next chapter for the next five years of the university. And my um, vision, really my expectation is that we're, to, again, we're going to continue to lean into um, the, our commitment to educational excellence. We're going to continue to pay, um, pay respect uh, to our history, to our heritage as an HBCU, a proud HBCU. And we're also going to embrace our land-grant mission because, Dr. Foster, our land-grant mission uh, is one of the things that, that differentiates us from every other institution in the state of West Virginia, with the exception of WVU, because there are only two land-grant institutions in the state, West Virginia University and West Virginia State. As a land-grant university, um, we have a reach that extends beyond our campus and institute. So we are literally doing programming in all 55 counties in the state of West Virginia as a land-grant institution. So we're gonna lean into land-grant um, and we're gonna continue to expand our reach and our impact across the state of West Virginia. Uh, we're also going to, as I mentioned earlier, move um, uh, to become a doctoral granting university. Wow, that's great. Because it, it really blows my mind that this institution has been around for 131 years. We're engaged in research, uh, but we are not a doctoral grant university. So I think over the next decade, uh, certainly I think sooner than that, uh, we're gonna become a doctoral granting university to help uh, provide uh, our students access to that critical, uh, critical terminal degree, but also to help again, raise our profile across the region. So I think over the next 10 years, you're gonna see West Virginia, Univers West Virginia State University continue to be uh, again, a formidable force, uh, both uh, in this uh, valley, but across the state of West Virginia, a force uh, for uh, social mobility uh, and also social and economic mobility, but also a, a, a source of, uh, of really pride uh, for the state of West Virginia. Right. And, and you have everything to be proud of, you know, including graduates like Katherine Johnson Absolutely. and so many more. Absolutely. Yeah. So as as you you know journey through your career, what coaching or mentoring have you received mm -hmm. that um, may have impacted your career? Well, so really, I think I have I put my mentors in two categories. One are my family mentors, and then the other are my professional mentors. Certainly, without a doubt, uh, my parents uh, have been my strongest mentors. Uh, frankly, my strongest cheerleaders uh, throughout my career. I mean, you know, because I always like to say that every day, every day hadn't been Sunday, right? There have been some challenges um, uh, throughout the arc of, of my career, like any like any any individual faces. But throughout those challenges, uh, my parents have been unwavering. They have always been there to say, Eric, you know, you know, stick with it. Uh, you know, you you. You know, uh, you know, you're you're a, a man of faith. You're someone who is is highly educated, 
you just got to stick with it and things are going to work out and they have always been right things do work out they may not work out when we want them to work out but but things do always work out so parents are surely at the top of the list on the professional side um it would really probably be uh two uh, individuals stick out one uh would be uh the president who uh, hired me uh, at Norfolk State University, gave me my first job in, in higher education administration. He saw something in me um, that uh, perhaps others may not have, um, and he gave me a shot. And uh, really, I took that shot, and I really leaned into the work of higher education administration, and, and here I am today. So I am grateful for his um, willingness, again, to give me that opportunity. And then I think lastly, it would be um, one of my supervisors and in the early part of my career. Uh, she, uh, again, just like my my boss, the former president who hired me, she really saw something in, in, in me as well. And she has continued to be an advocate uh, and a cheerleader uh, for me and for my career. So I do think it's, it's incredibly important. Um, I tell all of the students that I talk to, it's incredibly important to, to cultivate a network of, of mentors um, because mentorship uh, is, is so critically important to helping um, you to uh, navigate the waters of your career, but also helping uh, to serve as a sounding board uh, and a source of support when, when things do get uh, challenging and tough in, in your career and in your life, which which they certainly will because that's just the nature of that's it's right. just the nature of nature of life. Absolutely, absolutely. So what do you know now that you, you know, that you wish you knew when you first started in higher ed? Like, what do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Well, I think what I would say is, you know, I think sometimes, you know, certainly in this role, perhaps maybe when I was starting off, I was looking at some of the challenges that we faced in higher education administration. And I was like, my goodness, I mean, this, these things are just, they're incredibly, just incredibly challenged, incredibly difficult. Um, and I, because we have to keep in mind that I was coming from, you know, I didn't come up through the ranks in, in academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was seeing this as, as an outsider. And I was looking, like, I was saying, well, why are these things, you know, why are we having these, these issues, these challenges, these operational challenges? But what I've, I've learned over time is that, you know, you're going to have challenges at any institution. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this segment that this summer um, I participated in two professional development office opportunities for new presidents. I did one at uh, Harvard University. It was a Harvard uh, seminar for new presidents offered by the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Then I did one out in California which is offered by the American Association of State Colleges and Universities, their new President's Academy. And one of the things I took away from those two experiences, um, well, two things. One was we had the opportunity to really build um, relationships, friendships with, um, you know, new presidents who were going through the exact same thing that I'm going through. But two, we were able to hear some experienced presidents, seasoned presidents, about some of the challenges uh, and again, opportunities associated with uh, the college presidency, with higher education administration. And what I took away is that, again, every institution of higher education is dealing with s- some of the same challenges. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I started this journey in higher education administration, I was like, my goodness, how can 
you know, any institution be dealing with, with this myriad of, myriad of issues. But the truth of the matter is we're all dealing with, with challenges. I think the key to success is, is how you navigate those challenges, uh, to turn those challenges into, uh, into opportunities that are gonna help move the university forward. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know you're you're traveling a lot. You're you're being kept really busy. Um, what do you do for fun, President Cage? Well, Hopefully you're, you're doing some fun things and making time for some fun. That's a good question, uh, Dr. Foster. Um, hmm. You know, to be honest with you, that is one thing I do need to work on. Uh, I need to work on carving out more time um uh for myself because you know these jobs um are really all consuming uh being a university president it's a 24 7 job i mean in my case um i even live on campus and right, right, president's yeah. house so I, I joke with my my team i say hey I, you know i never really leave the office because <laughs> you know i can walk out of the front door of the administration building and be home and in, in less than probably less than three minutes so mm -hmm. it, it is all consuming. And this summer, I didn't have a vacation because, again, I embarked upon an ambitious uh, travel schedule to connect with our alums and to do other other um, uh, professional development opportunities. So, you know, when I do have time, I mean, I do like to play golf um, and I, I certainly like um, to to spend time with family and, and with friends uh, as well. Um, I'm also a big fan of architecture. So certainly anytime I go to uh, a major city or not even not even a major city, but a small town, I'd like to spend some time walking around and 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 taking in the architecture. Certainly here I'm in Washington, DC um, today, this week really, and certainly a lot of a lot of beautiful architecture in DC. And um so so that's kind of what I like to do for fun, but the question is, when am I going to have time to do that? So I, I I've got to be more intentional about about making making um, time. Yeah, and I, I highly recommend pickleball. It's the new rage. And I've heard girls. a lot about this pickleball. You've got to try it. I I haven't. I have not tried it yet. <laughs> but you I but I know it is it is all the rage. Yes. It's yes yes yes. So as you look to the future, what gives you hope? We're living in some some rough times all yeah. around. Mm -hmm. So what what gives you hope as you look to the future? Well, you are right that we are facing some incredible challenges um, in our nation right now. But the thing that gives me hope uh, are the students um, that I work with, frankly, that I serve each and every day as president of West Virginia State University. Because if you take a moment, I, I invite you, I know you've been on our campus, but I invite you, you know, to come on our campus and, and to some of the events that we do um, or come and serve as a guest lecturer in one of our classes. Um, you will be amazed uh, at our students, uh, their intellect, their passion, their vision, their beliefs. For the future, um, I think if we clear away all the noise of all the issues that we're facing in this country and just listen to our young people, I think we'll be inspired. Um, you know, we're going to be all right. Um, you know, because I, I, I have just each day I, I am inspired by by what I see on our campus. 
That's awesome. That that's and that gives me hope too to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much uh, for joining me on Fostering Solutions. Any parting words? No, I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing uh, in our, our community uh, with the Greater Canal Valley Foundation. Um, you all are, you and, and the foundation are certainly leading the way uh, in helping to, to move our community forward. So I appreciate the work that you do and, and thank you for having me on the podcast this morning. All righty. Thanks so much. And thanks again for making time. Absolutely. Take care. All righty. Take care.